today we are continuing our series on gifts that God gives. And I don't know what you've heard about God or the impression of God that you may have, um, but I'm not sure how you were raised. I'm not sure what traditions that it may have taught you, but we know that our God is a generous God. How many of you know that? He's a generous God, and he loves to give good gifts, and he generously gives us those gifts. Romans 2.4 says, the kindness of God leads to repentance, that God doesn't force his way into our lives. He doesn't shame us into serving him. He draws us with his kindness, and he is such a good and loving father that he wants to give us good gifts. And so this month, we've been talking about gifts all month, uh, gifts that God gives, and we've been putting that into practice, and today is no different. Um, just by coming to church today, you are a gift, and so we're so glad that you're here. After we tally up our attendance today, our, um, our kids and our volunteers and everybody in the building, if there's 600 people in the building, we're going to give $600 to the House of Hope, which is a ministry in Cambridge Springs for women who are homeless, women that find themselves um, escaping abusive situations, and it's going to help them find jobs and get financial stability and learn life skills, and so isn't that awesome? So we're excited to give today to that. Now, we started this December talking about the gift of a second chance. Then we talked about spiritual gifts, and last week we took time um, to dig deep into the gift of healing. And so I know many of you have had, I've gotten testimonies from you about how God has worked in your life through those prayers and through that giving. And so I really believe that this series has been uh, very practical and very helpful for a church family. So today we're going to talk about the gift that makes all of those other gifts possible, okay? It's the gift that activates and resources all the gifts, the most tangible and powerful gift, and it's the gift of Emmanuel. It's the gift of God with us. It's the gift of God uh, in relationship with us. And it's this miraculous way that God allows us to connect to him and have relationship with him every day, how he comes close to us. And so we're going to look primarily at a passage from John 1, and I had um, it printed out for you today, so if you've got one of these papers, you can take a look. We're going to um, really track closely with this. But this passage is the divine genealogy of Jesus, okay? So what I'd like you to do, just so we can kind of snap ourselves back out of gift, gift prize giving and Daniel's coat into um, scripture, would you stand for a minute? And I'm going to read this scripture, and then we'll get going. John 1, <clears throat> 1 through 18. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe. And he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him, and the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. And out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. You may be seated. So I want to pull out um, six key words from this passage as we learn from Scripture. And I heard a fantastic teaching uh, from Pastor John Lindell from James River Assembly of God. And some of what he shared is what I'll be sharing with you this morning. But you can, um, you really need a pen or a pencil in this piece of paper today so that you can really engage and, and eat up the Word of God. So make sure that you're marking down these six blanks. So I want to pull six key words out. And the first word is actually the word word. Word. Okay, so that was supposed to be funny. Okay, so, um, so write down the word word because that's the first word. And you can write, write it down in that first blank. And then also look in uh, verse 1 and kind of circle or underline all the places that you see the word word. All right, do you see it there a few times? The fact that Jesus Christ is describing himself as the word shows us that Jesus wants to communicate with us. He wants to converse with us. He wants to listen and speak to us. He says, I'm the word. I'm the letter. I'm the communication. I want to know you. I want to hear you, and I want to speak to you. And I love how John's gospel starts out in the setting of heaven with this glimpse of the creator before he comes to earth as Christ. And it shows how, how he was in heaven, and then he was brought to earth, and how he, a part of heaven came close, and God came near. In the Old Testament, God would reveal himself through nature. He would reveal himself through, um, through history. But in this moment, in John 1, God is about to reveal himself through a human person, through his son. And I love how the gospel starts in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, before the beginning, before there was even a beginning, this is what was happening. God existed, and, and he was eternal. He's always been. There was never a time that he wasn't, and, and there was never be a time he will not be, that he is eternal. And the Greek term for the word is logos. The English word we get from logos is logic. So Jesus Christ is the logic for all the universe. Jesus Christ is the logic for all the universe. The answer to every question is tied up in him. He makes sense of your life. He gives meaning and wisdom to our days. And Jesus, the baby in the manger, is the logic, the reason, the revelation of who God is. He is the word. All right, the second word I want you to circle or highlight in your passage in John 1 is the word life. So look on there. Life will be the answer to number two. And then if you can find the word life in that passage, you can circle it or underline it. God doesn't get life from anyone else. Uh, God is the source of life. He created life, and he created it, and he sustained it. And he is the, the glue of the galaxies. 
And so when John was writing this verse, he is confirming the deity of Christ. He is saying, Jesus, the Son of God, created all things. That baby that was born in the manger is the one who created life. He may look helpless and fragile, but he is the one who created all these things, who created us, who created everything around us. And when John writes, in the beginning was the word, he is also mirroring a famous passage in the scripture that the people would know in Genesis 1. Do you remember it? It says in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. I'm sorry, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It sounds the same. And John is doing that on purpose because he's reminding the reader that Jesus is the creator of all life. That, that the world was made through him and it has a good purpose and creation cannot be credited to blind chance. That this exact moment is happening because in the beginning Jesus was there too. And now when he's about to come to earth, he is there. And each element of creation, I love, was designed to complement or assist or serve or support or perpetuate life in some way. That is why everything exists. Even the weather patterns and the ecosystems testify to his purposes. Because not only did Jesus create life and sustain life on earth, but he, he, he wants life to happen. There's a reason why we have those pesky mosquitoes in the summer. They have something to do with sustaining life, with letting things go on and on. God wants life to live and he creates ecosystems and, and things that, that life just continues but also Jesus provides spiritual life. In John 1.4, when it says the word life, in the original language, it's actually not bios, which is biological life. It's actually the, the original word was zoe. And zoe means spiritual life. So we can be biologically alive, but spiritually dead. We can be biologically alive, but spiritually dead. And so in John 1, 4, it's reminding us that Jesus is not only the giver of life, of the things around you, but he is the giver of spiritual life too. And in him, and only in him, our dead heart can come alive again. And so later in the Gospel of John, John says, John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but that Jesus, I have come, that you may have life, and that you may have it to the full. And that's what John 1 is talking about here. So the third word that I want us to find is light. Okay, so take a moment, write down that number three, and circle or underline where you see light. There's quite a few in there. Now, before we had relationship with Jesus, we are all in spiritual darkness, we are dead on the inside, whether we know it or not. It's like walking around in a dark room. You're stumbling over things, right? You're lost. You're disoriented. You're stepping on a Lego, you know? You're doing all of those things because you can't see. You're fearful. You're lonely. You're disoriented. You're separated from the light. But when the light comes, we can see. We can discern. We can comprehend the word of God, the purposes of God, the hope that we have. So in John 3.19, sadly, it actually says that men, us, we love darkness. That because of the fall, because of the sin that came into to, to our lives all those generations ago with Adam and Eve, that we are prone to the darkness. 
that we like to be able to hide things away in the closets of our life that no one can see, that, that humanity, our flesh, we want to hide. And so our, our sinful nature tends to choose the darkness over the light. But we need light to produce life, right? Just like if you put a plant in a dark room with no sunshine, what would happen to it? That was just an easy one. What would happen to it? You're right, it would die. And so we need light to produce life. And so we need to step into the light so God can fill us up with his life-giving ways. And so Jesus reminds us in John 8, 12, that he is the light of the world, that whoever follows him won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So just like God stood in the darkness at the creation of the world in Genesis, and he said, let there be light. He, he, he went from darkness to light. He just declared it, and light came. Just like he did that, he wants to, to come into our lives and, and come into our broken and hurting hearts and just declare light. And say, he is the light of the world. And when we receive him, that light will light up the darkness in our hearts. I think about the star in the story, the Bethlehem star. Have you ever wondered uh, why there was a star, why that light shone so brightly onto Bethlehem's manger? Well, perhaps it was a, a foreshadow. Perhaps it was a reminder that the greatest gift of all, the Son of God, who will bring life and light to dead souls and darkened hearts, is coming right here. That that was the reminder and in John 1, we see him describing Jesus coming in a manger as light. So, so we started off with the word, then it described him as life, and then the third thing, it described him as light. So let's talk about the fourth word that I want to look at in this passage. It only appears once, so if you look at the, the scripture, you'll be able to find it, but it's really important. It's the word dwelling. Dwelling. So the fourth blank on your paper would be dwelling. And you'll find it in verse 14. Underline it really big because here's what it says. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, that word dwelling is actually a verb that's related to the Greek noun for tent. And it literally means that Jesus, the word who became flesh, pitched his tent among us. Another word that can be used in exchange for dwelling is tabernacled. Tabernacled. And so Jesus Christ moves into our neighborhood. He wants to be so close to us that he leaves heaven and he comes to be with us. He put on some human flesh that we have on, and he, he felt the limitations of a human body, and he felt hunger and pain and sorrow and suffering and exhaustion, and he knew what it was like to be tempted by all the things that we face, and, and he even chose to experience death with us so that he could understand that. And he loved us so much that Jesus came, and he pitched his tent next to ours. He came into our world so he could redeem us and bring us into his father's house forever. And so in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was this place that was very connected to God's presence. It was very connected to God's glory. That's where you would have to go to experience God's presence and God's glory. And so with this one word in John 1, it's telling us that you no longer have to go to the tabernacle and worship with thousands of people or, or be with other people to experience God, that the presence of God has come to you. 
that, that the very presence of God, the gift of God has come to you. And Jesus tabernacles inside of us. Jesus tabernacles inside of me and Jesus tabernacles inside of you if you are a believer in Jesus. And and with this one word, he is saying to us that we don't have to go to the tabernacle anymore. We are the tabernacle. That wherever we go, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us and wherever we go, the Holy Spirit of God goes too. And that that is where we can see and be with the presence of God. What a gift that God is giving us at Christmas through this dwelling within us. The fifth word I want to look at today is grace. Grace. All right, say that to the person next to you. Make sure they're awake. The fifth word is grace. You can go ahead and try to find grace in that passage. It's listed a few times throughout the passage, so look really carefully. If I'm moving a little too fast, maybe you could do this this afternoon with your family or in your devotions later and kind of look at it. But in verse 16, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now, that's a little funny, isn't it? Like hard to kind of read and understand right at face value. But what this is supposed to be is poetic in nature. What it's saying is we have received grace instead of grace. So grace that may look like a dissipated, but is followed by an even greater grace. I heard a pastor describe it this way. Uh, It's like standing at the edge of the ocean. If you ever had the privilege to do that, imagine that right now. It's like standing at the edge of the ocean, and as one wave crashes on the shore at your feet, another one comes behind it. And then another one, and then another wave comes behind it. And it never, ever ends, right? It just goes on and on and on, all through the night, whether you're standing there or not. We're not standing there right now, but the waves are crashing and crashing and crashing and crashing. And what this word picture is supposed to be is it never stops. And when you look out in the ocean, there's an infinite supply of waves to come. And that's why today I asked Pastor Quint if we could sing How He Loves Us. Because in that song, the lyrics say, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking And that's what what the lyricist of that song also meant with the scripture, that we have received grace in place of grace in place of more grace. How full is the fullness of God? Overwhelmingly full. Abundantly full. As many waves as the ocean will bring in and more. That is what John's trying to describe here, that the grace of God that is an ocean, and the grace of God, if if we were in that ocean, we'd be sinking because it's so full. And he can't even get words around this concept. In John 1.17, it contrasts this kind of grace. He, he's trying to describe it the best he can. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you the opposite of this is for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And John is saying, the law, we, I'm reminding you, you're dead to the law, that Moses represented the law. That there is a new way to relate to God. And it's not rule-oriented religion. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Do you see what he's trying to do? And that grace is represented through a baby in a manger in Jesus Christ. All right, the sixth and the final word is believe. Believe. Believe appears 54 times in John's gospel. 
Um, some derivative of belief, like belief or believed, uh, appears 96 times. So the word is important to the gospel writer. He's making a really clear point. When you repeat something over and over and over to someone, it's important. So he's saying this word believe is really important to look at. And in John 1 and verses 7 and 12 are where you'll find the words believe. And verse 7, Jesus Christ was sent to earth so that through him all will believe. If you've ever asked yourself the question, why did Jesus come to earth? Why do we have Christmas? It says it right here very clearly, so that all will believe. Christmas has come so that all will believe. And in verse 12 it says, if we believe in Jesus, we can become children of God. Children born of God. We don't become children of God in natural ways. It is not by hereditary. It is not by inheritance. It is not by human volition. We become children of God by the supernatural exercise of divine power from God. And so this morning I want to ask you this question. Have you been born of God? Are you a child of God? Have you had the moment where you have received the gift of Christmas? Have you experienced salvation? Because of all the gifts we talked about this month, this is the most important gift. It's the key gift. It's the gift that that feeds all the other gifts. It's a thing that is so important. And John 1 reminds us that if we believe and we receive this amazing gift of Jesus, we become brand new. We are a new creation. Jesus agreed to become a man made of flesh and blood, and he lived a a sinless life in perfect obedience to the Father, And, and then he suffered great punishment for mankind's sin. And then Jesus was raised from the dead, and he ascended boldly to sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede for those who he would redeem. And the scripture promises that the story is not over yet, that one day Jesus Christ will return to earth, and he will be king again. And he will take his saints to heaven and we will live with him forever. And this was the great plan of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you know what I love is so beautiful. And Daniel mentioned this when he was talking in prayer. This is what Christmas is. It all starts at Christmas. It's the most exciting time of the year, not because we're about to give all the gifts that that we work so hard to give to our kids, and not because of all the the Christmas movies on TV and the extra time off of work, but the most exciting time for Christmas is the fact that this is the start of the divine plan that makes Christmas the greatest news mankind could ever receive. That this is the great purpose in the heart of God, and it stands right here in these words in John 1:14 that the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. So if you are here today and you want to receive Christ this Christmas, all you have to do is believe. There there isn't hoops to jump through. There's not money to pay. There's not membership to invoke. It's just believing that Jesus Christ came in a manger, that that was God, and, and he grew up and he died on a cross for our sin. So we need to repent and believe. And before you leave today, I want to make sure that you visit these prayer tables to my right and to my left. There'll be teams there of people to just help you make that decision and pray for you. But it is the most important gift you will receive this holiday, this week. And it's the most important gift that has ever been given to you. And in this one verse, we see heaven's perspective on Christmas. Have you ever wondered what it's like in heaven on Christmas? 
when they look down, they see the beginning of this divine plan that allows us to be close to God, that bridges the gap. So would you stand this morning? We're just gonna sing together one more time, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And then we're gonna go this week and I hope to see you on Tuesday as we celebrate Christmas. But I really pray that this morning you would really think about whether you have received the gift of Jesus, the one who is the word, the one who is our life, the one who is our light, the one who, who is our dwelling, who dwells among us, and the one that we can believe and gives us grace so we can believe. places in the most unexpected ways. So we thank you for that and praise you for that. I pray as we go about this week that we would just see you in ways we haven't, in places we haven't, and we would be encouraged and we would share that encouragement with others. You are so good. We love you. We worship you. All this is for you, Jesus. So we praise you. Amen.